Normally for Christmas, my family has a big brunch. It's extended family. We have like second cousins, my great aunt hosts it, all of that. It's a very big event for our family. That will not be happening this year because of COVID. Welcome to WFSU's Perpetual Pandemic Podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. Many of us aren't traveling or seeing family for the holidays, a painful footnote to 2020. Lainey Henry is a senior at Leon High School. Her family is preparing for an odd Christmas in Tallahassee. We've decided we might do something outside, but definitely not our normal event, which is sad because that's a lot of bonding for us. Her brother, Jackson Henry, is home early from his sophomore year at the University of Florida. I didn't really get to spend as much time with my college friends celebrating the Christmas season as I did last year, or I would have in a year without COVID. A spike in COVID-19 has changed many holiday celebrations. It's certainly been a weird year for musician Michael Hanawalt. I run a rehearsal basically with, you know, an electronic keyboard plugged into the computer. I've got this microphone here now and, and speakers so I can pipe in music so they can hear it that they're singing along to and the mic picks that up and then I've got a, an iPad with my score on it and I share the iPad screen with them while we're rehearsing and I've got this page turning pedal so I'm constantly like tapping with my foot on the on the floor to turn the pages on the iPad while I'm kind of you know conducting along I mean it's just it's so bizarre. Hannah Walt is the director of graduate choral studies at Florida State University. The rehearsal he's referring to is for his job as artistic director of the Tallahassee Community Chorus. While the show must go on, eventually, right now it all looks and sounds different. I think that all of us really have struggled with um, the inability to make music in the way that we love and know. And I think we're all pining to be able to get back into a room and sing together again. There is something about that that you you simply can't replicate in an online format and the sounds and the camaraderie and just the overwhelming nature of the the sound that that many people creates is so powerful and it feeds all of us it really does but on the on the other hand there have been just some really beautiful moments we've been having weekly zoom you know quote unquote rehearsals we get together and People are still singing, you know, in their own homes on mute. You know, we can't hear each other, but we are making music at the same time. And it's been amazing to me to see how many people have turned out for that, who have invested time to log on to Zoom and sing in the silence of their own home. And what it says to me is that there's just this incredible need for human connection, you know, in this time. And it speaks to the power of what choirs are in addition to music making organizations. You know, they are amazing places of community and places in which we derive so much of our important social interactions with people and support systems. And the silver lining for me has been to see people's need for that. It's really affirmed in me, you know, the belief of how important choral singing is for for so many different reasons. It's weird to think that we don't have any theatrical productions really right now. Maybe some things are happening outside. So how does this work with these Zoom rehearsals? You're rehearsing in the hopes of having a concert in the spring? We have pretty much decided that that's not going to be possible. We just we don't think that there's going to be enough people that have, are able to get a vaccine to the point where you know, we could rehearse safely together. We are planning in the spring 
to try to do a couple outdoor sing-alongs. We have had actually a lot of success at Florida State um, with the collegiate ensembles there this year rehearsing outdoors. We have a tent constructed in an outdoor amphitheater area next to the music building, and we have been rehearsing, you know, people spaced eight to 10 feet apart, uh, wearing masks, all those kinds of things. And we have really had no safety issues or, or concerns um, in that environment. But in terms of the chorus, because that group is so big, the logistics involved with getting people together for any kind of official formal performance, I think, is not really possible. But we are planning on uh, offering in the spring that option to people a couple times to get together in a situation like I just described and sing through a few of the pieces that we've we've been re- quote-unquote rehearsing on Zoom. That would be cool to walk up on that. Under <laughs> people singing? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it was so interesting. We started this year at FSU. We started the year um, where all the ensembles were virtual. We took a month at the beginning of classes and just said, okay, we're going to start virtually. Let's see how this goes. And then uh, eventually transition to in-person rehearsals. And I tell you, it was so moving to be there at those first rehearsals and to see the expression on the students' faces and uh, just to feel like you were together again with people. You know, it was, like I said, it's, it's tough if that's such a huge part of your life and for people like me it is um and and that is a huge part of what feeds you and uh to finally experience that you know even if it is outdoors masked you know that act of singing together was has been so incredibly moving and it it has uh just made me so appreciate you know what i get to do every day While we lament the lack of routine holiday festivities, COVID-19 vaccines are being doled out. And Dr. Perry Brown says that's reason enough not to eagerly mark 2020 off the calendar. There's so many lessons we have learned from our experience in this pandemic. We've learned empathy. Uh, We've learned about personal protection. We've learned about sacrifice. And we've learned about the wonderful, wonderful advances in medical technology that have brought us a vaccine in less than almost a year. And one of the important things about lessons is that we are taught some things and hopefully it also allows us to see where we have made mistakes so that we don't make them again. Brown is a professor at the Institute of Public Health at Florida A&M University. He specializes in infectious diseases and has been involved in the state's COVID-19 response. We spoke via Zoom about the outlook for 2021. We'll have some normalcy, probably to the extent that we're next fall, we're going to be going right back into the cold and flu season. But the added burden of COVID-19. Great. So what's the best guess right now with this vaccine coming out? Do you think COVID will be the kind of thing we'll have to get vaccinated for every year like the flu? It remains to be seen. The antibodies that protected the people in the vaccine group, we will only know how long those antibodies last as we get more and more people vaccinated and we go back to the people who were in the trial. And two months later, perhaps, we draw some blood and see if they have antibodies. Three months later, we draw some blood, see if they have antibodies. It could very well be 
that these vaccines will provide some long-lasting protection. Someone who got COVID in March, any evidence that they might still have antibodies now? There have been a few cases of people who had full-blown COVID and then got it again. And so there is that possibility that people who have had COVID are protected. But once again, we, we just don't know how long that, that protection is going to last. Yeah. Do you feel like the social distancing measures we're taking are good enough? So if you're a student, you're in a classroom, you're sitting six feet from somebody else and you have a mask on, do you feel like that's good enough? Being, being an academic, <laughs> um, I, it's part of the approach. Social distancing works for not only COVID, but it works for influenza, it works for colds, it works for almost any respiratory infection. The social distancing in the mask, in my opinion, is the best we've got. Is it 100%? No, but it's better than zero. I would say it's probably 70 to 80% effective. You know, breathing out, coughing, or whatever we do, if we have the virus, some of that gets trapped inside that mask, and that's a good thing. It's a pain. <laughs> I forget my mask. I get ready to go to Publix. And I get out of the car, I say, oh, shoot, I take about four steps, go back to the car, get my mask, go back in. You and lots of other people. <laughs> yeah. If you had your way, you said 70, 80% when I used the classroom example, would you prefer the kids not be in class? Yes. Now, you know, there's obvious downsides to it. There's a qualitative difference in the effectiveness of online delivery versus on-site in-person delivery. And I think we all know that. But we weigh what we may lose in what might be educational efficiency. We lose some of that where we gain safety. I use the term COVID soup to describe, you know, the, the community in which students live and in which we all live, we all are swimming in the soup. If we have, let's say, 4% of asymptomatic but infected individuals, they come onto campus, even with making sure that every student can be in a place for instruction where they can be spread out, we're still gonna have some cases. I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's not foolproof. You also mentioned that masks catch these germs, they catch the virus. How long would that virus be able to hang out there and cause harm? There are estimates, I think, on, on the surface, the virus may be viable for a number of hours. If one coughs, there are these minute droplet nuclei that come from our lungs and come out through our throat, and they, they hang in the air. And then because of gravity, they sort of float down to the floor, they may hang in the air for minutes. This has become the norm. People are working from home, Zoom calls all day long. Do you think this could be a lasting change from the pandemic? And, and like, what else do you think might be a lasting change from the pandemic? Ooh, if you remember back in, I guess, 2009, when we were concerned about H1N1, which was swine flu, and, and that's an example of how that flu virus mutates. We stopped shaking hands. We did fist bumps. 
which reduces the surface area of contact. Or guys would come up to each other and they give an elbow bump. I think COVID long lasting will maybe continue that practice to where most people now may do that. Now, hugging, hugging is difficult because we're humans. We like to hug. That's, that's an affectionate acknowledgement of another individual. And after COVID, we may hug with a mask. <laughs> but the hugging is something I think is, is probably going to still be with us. And, and that's okay. I'd say the mask, it's certainly during the winter, is wow. probably going to be with us for a long time. Grocery and goods, purchase goods delivery. I think that's going to continue in shopping online. I just bought my granddaughter a, a study desk and I did it from right here. <laughs> so, yeah, societally, we're changed. Once the vaccine is more widely distributed, I don't see a lot of change in terms of family gatherings and group gatherings because the level of susceptible individuals will go way, way down. Uh, certainly, if, if they've been vaccinated, they're going to feel more confident about being in crowds, like sporting events or family gatherings. Uh, but this Christmas is going to be, for some, it's really going to be a painful event. We want to be with our relatives. I would like to go back to L.A. to be with my family at Christmas. Um, because I get to see them once, at least once a year, except this year, you know, to be around the madness and mayhem of children opening gifts. It'll happen in isolation this year. But we will get through it. We will get through it. We will be back next year. Hopefully, it will be quasi-normal. That's the finale of the Perpetual Pandemic podcast for 2020. Thank you to all who shared their insights for season one, and thank you for joining us. We'll be back with more episodes in the new year. For WFSU News, I'm Gina Jordan.